What is your go-to Christmas movie? Anyone? So, A Wonderful Life? Elf? <laughs> Sorry? Snoopy? Yeah, Charlie Brown's Christmas? Frosty the Snowman? Yeah, there, there's some pretty, pretty wonderful Christmas movies out there. And, and I, I don't know if I've ever really had, to be honest, a go-to Christmas movie. Like, I, I've enjoyed them over the years. Maybe when I was younger, I would have I picked Jingle All the Way. Wouldn't pick that now, but... <laughs> and uh, Elf was definitely, definitely one of them. But, but nowadays, I let my wife pick the Christmas movies, and, and she does a pretty good job. we got some Hallmark, the, the Muppets Christmas, um, Charlie Brown's Christmas. And, uh, but I do, remember, I do remember when the movie Elf came out. And I, I just thought it was one of the funniest Christmas movies ever. And me, my friends, the, the, the people in my youth group... We loved that movie, and we would quote it, we would watch it over and over, like we would just talk about it, about how funny it was that this, and the humor was all about this, this ignorant man-child, sorry, man-elf, um, that just didn't understand the way the world worked. Like you, you don't pour maple syrup on spaghetti, you, you don't press all the buttons in an elevator, like you've... Ever been in an elevator with a kid that does that? You're just, ah, oh, I got places to be. And, and you don't eat gum off the street unless maybe there's a bit of flavor left in it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. And, and we just loved quoting this movie. There were many, many good lines in it. Buddy, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Just like the way he answered a phone. But, but that's what I want to talk about this morning, is good things are worth talking about. Good things are worth talking about. And great things are worth talking about even more. And, and so when, when you find a good movie, when you find a good song, when, when you hear a good story, you can't help but share it with a friend, share it with a family member. When you, you learn something new that, that you just deeply appreciate, you, you want to tell someone. Good things are worth talking about. Great things are worth talking about the most. And that's what is so amazing about Christmas. That's what is, is so joyful about Christmas. The joy of Christmas is that this is the greatest story. And this, this has the most meaning that we could ever find. It's something more than just, just a joyful thing that will fade. Like, like when you hear of good news, the meaning doesn't usually last for too long. Like, it might stick with you for a while. Like, if, if the Leafs win, I'm excited for a day. They lost last night. Oh, well. Right? Excited till the next game. If, if I hear of, 
of Daryl getting his fruitcake. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I'm, I'm not going to remember it later. If, if a neighbor tells me that, or, or a, a stranger tells me that their daughter had a kid, I'll probably forget it in five seconds because I don't know them. I don't care. I mean, good for them. Not to sound too callous, but like. But the good news of Christmas and the joy that it brings, it's something more. It's unspeakable joy that must be shared. We're going to read from from Luke chapter 2 as we continue the, the Christmas story, where Luke writes about the birth of Jesus. Now, Luke, Luke wasn't there, but he starts his book saying, I have talked to eyewitnesses. I have looked into this, and I want to pass on an accurate account of what I have come to learn. And so we read in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. We'll start there. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor over Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because they belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So stranger's daughter, a stranger's daughter or a stranger had a kid. All right, forgetting that in five, four, three. No, wait, wait. Luke isn't just writing about anybody's birth. And you probably know that. There is so much here. And last week, Pastor Crystal shared about the hope that this brought, about the, the, the prophecies and, and that this was God with us. God with us. And that enough in itself is to go, whoa, whoa. And, and I encourage you, if you missed last week, you can, you can go listen to it uh, on our website, watch it on YouTube, wherever you want to find it, um, or however you want to take it in. I encourage you to go listen to it. And, and the joy surrounding this stranger's kid was not just that she had a baby. And it wasn't even the fact that, they, that he was born in, in Bethlehem. Though there were prophecies about a, a coming savior, a, a coming king that would be born in Bethlehem, guess what? There were many kids born in Bethlehem. But there was so much more to this because there were many prophecies that were starting to come true. The joy was in Hundreds of years of waiting, and finally an answer. The joy was that in, in this dark, dark moment in history, finally a light. 
And the joy that we have is that it still means something today. This is not something that was just told in a moment of time and then forgotten, but it was a story, an event worth retelling. And we're going to continue in Luke to, to hear of the, the shepherd's announcement, that, or the angel's announcement to the shepherds. And how many of you have heard the Christmas story, like, more than you can count? Yeah. Like, I grew up, and I would hear it at church, and then on Christmas Day, before we could open any of the big presents... We would sit down and read the Christmas story, and then we could open the big presents. And so I've, I've heard the Christmas story over and over, and I've read it too many times. And, and we can get trapped in this, okay, I've heard the story, I know it, just kind of skim it, or, or just kind of like, okay, what do you want to say about it? But I want to encourage you to think about what it would have been like to be there as a shepherd. What would it have been like to be a shepherd in that field? What would it have looked like? What would it have sounded like? What would it have smelled like? You're welcome. I don't have any any sheep fart smells. But what would it have felt like to just be there with those shepherds? Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, could you, could you imagine being one of those shepherds? And here's, here's something interesting about those shepherds. See, those shepherds probably would have been temple shepherds looking over the temple sheep. And so they were probably looking over the sheep that would be, be taken to be sacrificed. They would, they would inspect the lamb and, and, and approve of it when it was born. But, but 
though they, they took care of this important detail, in society, shepherds were looked down upon. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing. They were an instrumental part of this sacrifice that would allow people to draw close to God. And yet, they were probably, or they, they were unlikely to participate in the sacrifices because they were dirty. They were unclean. And moreover, the people around them would have thought of them as, as gross shepherds and maybe even liars or cheats. See, as, as society moved into towns and, and they, they grew up these towns, the wealthier people moved into the towns and the poorer people were left to watch over the animals outside of town. And so part of the beauty and the joy of these shepherds being called was the fact that they were some of the lowest in society and didn't get to participate in in drawing closer to God in these religious services, sacrifices that would happen. And yet the angel appears to them with a message and says, Come and see God with us. Come and see God with us. And the angels get to be the first people. Or the, the angels get to be the first creature to, to proclaim the message. And then the shepherds get to be some of the first people to share it with other people. Wouldn't that have been exciting? Like, I, I think through it, like what, to, to be there, and all of a sudden this light appears. Like, how would you explain that to people? Like, they didn't have spotlights that just popped on. Like, light at night, it had to be built, right? They had to stoke a fire, it, the light slowly grew. Like, the closest thing I could think of is maybe during the day if you had a window covered in a house and they opened it up, then a light would pop in or, or uncovering a lamp or something. But just suddenly a light, and not just any light, the glory of God. Just, like, you would just be shaking. You would have nothing to even compare it with. And they got to tell people of this great joy. These shepherds were able to go and proclaim this unspeakable joy. And what, what was that joy? What does it mean for us? Well, the fact that the, the shepherds were called, it means everyone has equal access to God. Later, we, we find out about the wise men coming. And, and so it doesn't matter, matter whether, whether wise men or shepherd, pastor or parishioner, CEO or the unemployed. It doesn't matter. We have equal opportunity to come and see God with us.
So the question is, will we, will we go and see? Will we draw near to him? Number two, sin and evil and all that is wrong will not last. Because of Jesus, we can find joy in the worst situations, knowing that they will not last. A verse that, that is pretty exciting, or a few verses, is when John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, his, some of his disciples were sent. We see in Matthew 11, chapter 2 to 5, they were sent to see Jesus. It says, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And what does Jesus say? He doesn't just say yes. He says this, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus is the source of life and hope and joy. He's the, the, the source of, of redemption for the broken. We can find healing in him. We find wholeness. We find that joy. And, and though the time, at the time of Jesus, there were definitely ups and downs. And though we have ups and downs in our own life, I love Christmas because it's, it reminds me that in that darkness, just as those shepherds, a joy was proclaimed and is still worth talking about. And that's one of the joys about it. We get to do something about it. We get to do something about it. So what do we do? Well, what did the shepherds do? They said, did they say to themselves, wow, this is unspeakable joy. Let's not talk about it. No, they spread the word concerning what they had been told of them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. And here, joy unspeakable, it's not that you can't talk about it. Joy unspeakable is that the words that have ever been said about it. The words that, that will ever be said about it can't contain what the joy is. I could talk to you all day about this, about what it means, about, about how it has affected my life and the joy that it has brought me, and I could still not do it justice. But I will try and keep talking about it. And so we get to talk about this amazing joy. We get to share it with people. This joy was meant 
to be shared. If you believe and you follow Jesus, the joy that you have received is meant to be shared. It's like, like when you, you get, you, you hear that story or that song. You want to share it with people because as you share it, it, it makes it even better. The fact that you get to share it with someone. In 1899, there was discovered this writing that, that we refer to, that historians refer to as the Priene Calendar Inscription. And it was dated to 9 BC. And it included this proclamation of good news that had to be spread. And, of course, there was no social media. There was no news outlets. They had to send runners to share this message of good news. And this is what the, the calendar inscription says. It seemed to the Greeks of Asia, by the knowledge of the high priest Apollonius, Apollonius of Menophilos, Azanatos, fun names, since the one who arranges all things of our life, namely providence, carrying eagerness and love of honor, perfectly ordered life by bringing in the eminent one, Sebast, whom, for the sake of kindness to humans, she filled with virtue, sending to us and to those after us alike a savior who ends war, who orders all things. Caesar, by appearing, surpassed the hopes of all those who had previously received Good news, good tidings. Not only by overtaking the benefactors before him, but also by not leaving any hope of improvement in the things which are. The birthday of the God was the beginning for the, for the world of the good tidings, which were because of him. This was resolved in Asia in Smyrna. Now this inscription was written about the birth of Caesar, of Caesar Augustus to be specific who by being the new leader of Rome was declared to be a god and his rule was said to bring peace. And, and in a sense, it brought a bit of peace. But how many of you have heard of this inscription before, this good news? It's not something that people talk about. And, and here's the cool thing. That the angels, as they declared the good news, they used similar words that the way it was written down in Greek is similar to the words that were used to declare Caesar's birth. And, and Caesar's birth might have been good news for some people, but if you were Jewish, you probably weren't overjoyed at hearing that. If you were any other dominated peoples, you would not have been overjoyed by that. And yet the angel says, no, no, no. This news is not just for the Jews. This is for all people. This is for all people. 
And instead of human messengers that were sent to declare this news at first, divine messengers were sent. Angels were sent. Instead of a kingdom established through war and might, a new heavenly kingdom would be established through peace and God with us. Instead of a ruler who would die, be cremated, and have a mausoleum built for their ashes, the king of kings would leave an empty tomb. And that is why this joy has truly surpassed other stories. Though the excitement for certain people of of, uh, uh, this new ruler of, of Caesar, which Luke mentions as he starts writing at his, in the days of Caesar Augustus. I wonder, I wonder what it would have been like to hear that news if you had heard the other news. It, it might have sounded treasonous. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Caesar is the good news, not Jesus. But how exciting would it have been to share that good news? Of a good news greater than any any kingdom, any government, any authority? How awesome would it have been to share that good news? And and here's the, the great thing about good news. How many of you love hearing good news? You're like, yeah, good news? Please tell me. Like, nobody wants to truly just listen to bad news all the time, okay? We, we want to hear good news. Give me something good. And so we, we know that hearing good news is great. It, it has benefits. But studies have also shown that telling good news has some great benefits as well. There was actually a, a study done in, in 2010 that that says the act of telling others and the response of those others has the potential to multiply the benefits of positive events. These events are both personal and relational. The personal outcomes linked to the capitalization process, sharing good news, include increased positive emotions, subjective well-being, and self-esteem, and decreased loneliness. When you share good news, it's good. You, there's a good chance that you'll have positive emotions. I mean, usually when you share good news, you're not like, so I got a puppy. <laughs> well, maybe if, maybe if your kids got the puppy, <laughs> like, oh. But if you share good news, you're excited about it. And, and it even improves your, your self-esteem. Like you feel like you have something worth, like you have something worthwhile. And just sharing good news does that. What about sharing the best news? What about sharing the best news? What do you think that will do to you and to those that hear it? 
And let me tell you, people need to hear this good news. I've had the, the, the wonderful privilege and continue to have this wonderful privilege of, of serving students and just hanging out with students on Friday nights with, with some amazing leaders. And, and guess what? Our students go through some incredible stuff, incredible hard stuff, stuff that I've, I've never, ever experienced. And... And there's so many times I, I come to a point where it's like, like I've, I've got nothing to give you except Jesus. That, that's all I have. That's all I've got. And for me, it's been, it's been what I've needed to keep going through the darkest moments in my life. And it's not just students that need this good news. Kids need it. Young adults need it. Adults need it. Greater adults need it. Everybody needs this good news. During uh, one of our, our young adults, we, we've been going through this series um, called Jesus in Our Generation. And uh, the, the guy who's, who's been leading us, through, who's been kind of doing the talks, shared this story. Um, his name's Pastor Ben. And he shared this story about how he had a, had a colleague come to him and say, hey, I was just given 100 NASCAR tickets. Do you want to go to NASCAR? It's like, yeah. Yeah, so them and, and two others Went into a car, got into a car, and started heading towards the towards the race, and uh, and and they're like, "What are we going to do with all these extra tickets?" There's there's only four of them, so they have 96 other tickets, and and so Pastor Ben was saying, like, with him and the other two, we're like, "Let's sell this and make some money off this." Like, we we could make a bit of money off this, and and the person who had received the NASCAR ticket said, "No." No, these were freely given. We're going to give them away. And he says, well, I guess, I guess that makes the most biblical sense to do. Like, okay. Okay, so they end up giving out these 96 tickets to different people outside that were hoping to purchase tickets and get in. And, and so they just start handing them out to different people. And what they had forgotten about was the fact that this was a block of tickets, so when they went to find their seat, it was surrounded by all the people they had given tickets to. And, and the people were, he said they were, they were like cheering and thanking them for it. Like, like, hey, thanks. Like, we're here because of you. And how amazing would that be? He said it was, it was more amazing being amongst those people than, than the race itself. Just being there with people that were so overjoyed that they got in for free. And I think of, of this story that we have to share. If one person, one person says to me that because of you, 
I know Jesus, Jesus better. If just one person, that's worth it. I mean, I hope there's more. But if it's just one person that I can help bring closer to Jesus, it's worth it. As we've we mentioned those, those runners that would go out and, and tell, story, tell the good news back then, Isaiah wrote in chapter 52, verse 7, he said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings. Getting ahead of myself. Who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. He says how beautiful, do you want beautiful feet? Okay. Well, maybe pedicures, that's, that's your choice. But Isaiah says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring this good news. And, and back then, they would have had sandals. They would have been running over hills, maybe through thorns. Their feet would have been dirty. They would not have been pretty. They might have had cuts. And think of the shepherds, too. Amongst the sheep, they probably didn't have benefits to see a podiatrist. How gross their feet would have been. And yet Isaiah says, how beautiful are those feet. And Paul reminds us of our role and Isaiah's words. Romans 10, verses 14 to 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I want to have beautiful feet. I, I have good news to share. You have good news maybe to receive for the first time. Or maybe you received it long ago. But it's good news worth taking, finding healing in it. That Jesus, the Savior, was born and died and rose again so that we could find healing in him and draw near to God. It's news worth taking. It's news worth sharing. There's never been a time when, I, when I've looked back and said, oh, I wish I hadn't told them about Jesus. But there's been times when I, I wish I had said something. Let's share this joy unspeakable. Let's speak about it. And if you, you do need to embrace this, this good news for the first time, 
I encourage you to say, God, yeah, I want this good news. I need this good news to change my heart, to change my, my focus, 